Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Jason Nichols is a professor at the University of Maryland, and he joins us now. Professor, I can't help but suspect that some of this controversy is being stoked by people who don't want to take accountability for their own failures. There are a lot of places in this country that are not touched by their confederacy. Detroit, for example. I don't think there are any confederate statues in Detroit. Detroit's a disaster, and it has been for generations. In a sad way, I say that as an American. And yet the people in charge of Detroit will tell you that the statues in Richmond are the problem, and that's a lie. When are normal people going to call their leaders to account for their failures and stop hiding behind made-up controversies like this? Well, I think you're mixing two different issues here. I think that there are people who are very concerned about what's going on around the country in cities like Detroit, cities like Baltimore. However, we want symbols in our cities and in our uh, states that show what we want to be as a nation. Not only where we've been, but what is it that we want to be. Those are the kinds of things that you should honor and that you should have as monuments. Now, a monument is different than talking about history. We believe, I think most people believe, that, for example, the Confederacy or Christopher Columbus or all those things certainly belong in books. They certainly belong in museums. Now, do we want to honor what they've done. I think that that's a different story. Yeah, I mean, I'm partly sympathetic to that. I mean, this paid for with public funds. I wouldn't want to see. I mean, in Detroit, you know, there's a building named after the black separatist mayor, Coleman Young. I would be driven crazy if I had to live near that. I mean, I, so I kind of get it, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the other hand, this is a manufactured crisis. These statues have been here for decades, in some cases centuries. They were there for the duration of Obama's two terms. Where were you during that period? Well, I think they were. They have always been problematic. People have always talked about it. For example, at, at my university, no, at my Come university, on. we have talked about the fact that we wanted to change. Uh, the names of certain buildings of people who wanted to keep the university segregated for a long time. It took till very recently for those names to change. Okay. The, it's that you, it's, no, I think that people be, on the okay. right have I get, been I get, People have been talking about this stuff. I, you're right. Okay. They haven't been pulling down statues well, we are in the middle a, of the day. It hasn't understood. dominated MSNBC for a week. I mean, this is, right, this is not a conversation we're having. This is a moral panic. It came right. out of nowhere right and, after well, it didn't Charlottesville. Come out of, it didn't no, come it out came, of nowhere. Charlottesville well, happened, Charlottesville but it's not happened. obvious why the Jefferson Davis Turnpike in Alexandria has to have his name changed a week later, okay? So... People have fueled this fire, and my point is, it's a. Dist- I'm not saying it's totally an illegitimate debate. I don't think it is. I think it's a real debate. Okay. Yeah. But it's not the core debate. It's not even in the same universe as the core debate. I think. I think the discussion, oftentimes, from people who who don't have a, a certain, or who have a certain level of privilege, is oftentimes. Oh, this just came out of nowhere. It was the same thing during the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement, it came out of nowhere. It's these outside agitators. They're, they're making a problem. Good black a people have always privilege. been okay you know with that. You know who has no but privilege? They, the kids in Detroit. Do you know what the, the test scores I are agree. in Detroit? No. Do you know what they are? Oh, oh, let's talk about the kids in Detroit. Do, well, do you know what the test scores are? Do you have any well, idea? Because I didn't. Have, I just looked them up. Do you have any idea do you know what perf- that Betsy DeVos changed the, the school okay, system? I'm sure it's her fault. It, <laughs> okay. it has nothing to do let's with go, Betsy let's talk DeVos. About the- this has been going on for generations. Okay. And as of right now, 96% of kids in Detroit schools, 96% mm-hmm. are not proficient in math, 93 are not proficient in English. 
Okay. So you say, oh, people of privilege don't get... No, those people have no privilege. And people of privilege, including their representatives, including the Black Caucus and all the people who claim to speak for the people, they don't say squat about that. I, I don't think that's really. True. When was the last? Really, that's, that, you know, I can't speak. What's, what's the reason for Detroit. that? Is that that's Betsy DeVos's problem? Uh, well, I think she's the Secretary of Education. She should be concerned with education around the country, she, particularly in her home state. But at the same time, dude, this has been going on for generations, and nobody says squat. They have a hundred people are shot in one day in Chicago. Everyone's like, oh, well, whatever. But the real problem is the Lee statue. Look, I think the Lee statue is a fair conversation, mm-hmm. but but. This is disproportionate, and it's cover for the failures of the leadership class, not just Democrats, either Republicans, too. And you're playing along with it. No, 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 no. First of all, I've, I've always spoken about things like education, health disparities, uh, other disparities that we have in our society, economic problems. But at the same time... Oh, but they're nothing compared they're, to a statue in Richmond. No, but of course, uh, symbolism matters. Yeah, you, but it doesn't you, matter uh, as no, much let's, let's, let's as 96% who can't okay, pass well, a math test? Are so you joking? I, I say we erect a, a, a statue, perhaps, of Minister Farrakhan in Chicago. Would you be okay with that? No. Well, then why, why not? I wouldn't See, because I statu- don't like Minister Farrakhan. But statues okay. don't matter, right? But that's, but that's symbols not, don't you're, matter. You're missing it. That's not the point I'm making. I think symbolism does matter. I get spun up about this. I think symbols actually say a lot about who you are and where you're going. I, I agree with you there. Okay. I'm just saying the moral panic around this is manufactured and is diverting attention from the fact that the middle class of the country, including black Americans, are getting poorer. And nobody says anything about it. And I'm just saying that if you're on the activist left as you are, maybe you should... Pay attention to things that actually matter. Well, I think you, again, if you, if you read my writing, if you read the writing uh, of a lot of other scholars and, and journalists, they've been writing about what's going on in our major cities, and they've been talking. Well, they about, haven't. It's all like, oh, this is the legacy of oppression. It's like, no, these no, are real. Absolutely okay, is the legacy okay, of all right. But, I mean, there's all, I'm sure that that's part of it. But when you've got 96 or 97% who can't pass a math or English test, there's a lot going on, Absolutely. and it needs a thoughtful response, and it needs actual leadership, and nobody's stepping up to do that. And it's totally depressing to me. And you know, after all, I, you get mad at the demagogues who are, like, diverting attention. Oh, be mad about the statues. Don't pay attention to this. No, but I think the statues, again, as we said, I think both issues are issues. Now, again, I, I would certainly uh, prioritize something like education over uh, the statue. Would you? I don't think you would, or, though. Or over, I don't because I bet monuments. you don't have any idea what to do about it. Not that I do, but I mean, <laughs> you're thinking about this stuff. Do you yes. know what I mean? Like, is having teachers unions making the the schools no, better? I, do you well, think? first of all, I mean, if we're going to talk about education, no, we don't need to. But we, I just we you can see the you. point. I mean, I'm not here to grill you on education, but you see the point that like. There's actual stuff going on. The country really is in trouble. And this is just and, and they, an MSNBC Democratic Caucus sideshow designed to cloak the reality of it, which is that our leadership class is terrible and they failed. I, I agree. Our leadership class is terrible, st- starting at the top when we talk about the president. Yeah, of the Trump's United bad. States. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Professor, thank you for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Appreciate Anytime. it. Anytime, Tucker. Thank you. Left-wing thugs, or as they're known on television now, peace activists have been smashing windows, burning buildings, beating people up who disagree with them for months. In just a few days, they'll be in San Francisco for another rally. So far, their efforts have been met with almost gleeful coverage from the press and their political allies, same thing. But thanks to the Internet, now we know what actually happens at some of these rallies. Stuff like this.
this story about the Wall Street, the New York Times ran a piece about Jerry Baker, who's the editor of the Wall Street Journal, scolding his reporters for not covering the Trump rally straight. He seemed to be scolded by the left for demanding straight news coverage. Yeah, he was saying in straight news reporting that there was too much editorializing going on. There was too much selective criticism. And the New York Times obtains these emails from Wall Street Journal reporters as if it's some big bombshell that an editor looked at a reporter who's supposed to be objective and said, look, you got to take this out. This is too much on the editorial side. Let's play it straight here, guys. Wow. The fact that that's being ex is somehow the exception rather than the rule is just remarkable to me, Tucker. Well, it is remarkable. And you don't what's extra remarkable is you don't see it happening in other papers i don't think you're seeing any other and i, I don't know gerald baker by the way i've never even met him so i'm not carrying water for the guy but you i i haven't seen any other editors say to their reporters look just tell the story just say what happened keep your editorializing out i, I think that's an unusual thing now the line between straight news reporting and opinion has been obliterated you see now anchors people are supposed to play it straight now giving their feelings on a particular topic because they think it's good for the country in their mind. And no one wants to know their opinion. They just want the facts. And the fact that Gerard Baker is being criticized for this is, for lack of a better word, deplorable. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It's the 29th of August, year of our Lord, 2017. And that intro was a race baiter named Nichols doing the usual, let's get out our chisels. And Concha, I just love that guy because, you know, the media... As we will see as we go through this brief podcast, it's just going to be our intro and our news and social media nuggets. Um, they're just horrible. Some of the things they say made me start a new section. Yeah, I, I got a new section. That's that's how, how incredibly bad they are. So, <sighs> news up front. Gorka's gone. So one less racist, I did air quotes, because I guess he's a racist because he wore some badge nobody's ever heard of that Joy Reid said. But we'll see Joy Reid making a lot of a fake news herself. Damn New Jersey Senator Menendez asked judge to change trial date so he can vote, and he was told to suck it. The actual reply from the D.C. court, only a United States senator can try to hide behind the very office he corrupted to avoid accountability to the public for his action. If you remember, friends, we were talking about this during the election. This was a Hillary surrogate. Media never covered any of it. Just like they're not covering U.S.-Mexican border, they found a tunnel with 30 people inside. Yeah. They, they were from all over the place. So here goes. Here blows the... The liberal theory, it's about them brown people, just Mexicans. 23 Chinese were in there. Mm-hmm. 23. <clears throat> Trying to get illegal entry into the United States. But the big kahuna I want to do before I start the show, we've talked about taking down statues, Mount Rushmore, 
fucking everything. Just putting burkas on shit, as we'll see. Losing their mind. Um, Salon actually just said it's it's even more than just the statues, my friends. In this piece, the Star Spangled Banner was lobbied by Southerners into its exalted status. This came from Alternet and was printed in Salon under the heading, Confederate War Memorials are just the beginning. The removal of a statue of Chief Justice Roger Taney from his pride and place in the capital of Maryland is the manifestation of a popular awakening that goes beyond bringing down statues on Confederate heroes like Stonewall Jackson. What we are seeing is a popular repudiation and violent defense of the neo-Confederate ideology as it shaped the symbols of American public life for the last 150 years. Some of these symbols now draw protests, while others are woven into public life. For example, observing Memorial Day and singing the Star-Spangled Banner are uncontroversial patriotic gestures, yet there's no disputing that neo-Confederates developed these rituals. That doesn't necessarily mean the holiday and the national anthem should be jettisoned along with Robert E. Lee's statues, only that their historical roots should be recognized and taught. The dethroning of Taney shows why Taney, who wrote the Supreme Court Dred Scott decision, was effectively legalized slavery nationwide, was never Confederate. He owned people as property and defended slavery, but he never advocated rebellion. And then they go on a whole thing about how much of a douchebag he is. Long before Colin Kaepernick, and that's where I should stop this article, but we'll go on, and the best-selling jersey in the National Football League, the Star-Spangled Banner was the cause of an American culture war. In 1920, pacifist liberals and African Americans resisted elevating Key's stirring song because they objected to his militaristic and racist overtones. Confederate sympathizers responded by taking their cause in Congress. I can't say this without a smile. I don't know where you're stretching here. Don't pull a hammy. In the 20s, as blacks and white liberals announced Jim Crow laws and lynching, the campaign for the Star-Spangled Banner became a way to wrap the ideology of the Confederacy in the red, white, and blue bunting of American patriotism. African Americans were especially resistant to the appeal of, Oh, say, can you see? In 1927, poet James Weldon Johnson and his brother Osandum composed a song to commemorate the birthday of Abraham Lincoln called Lift Every Voice and Sing. The song's popularity among people of color made it known as the Negro National Anthem. Johnson, also an NAACP activist, denied there was anything in a song to conflict the Star Spangled Banner, but he couldn't resist adding that the banner was difficult to sing and that its sentiments are boastful and bloodthirsty. The National Anthem Culture War of the 1920s pitted the emancipated values of the North against the white supremacists of the South. The Southerners won that war in March 31, formally designating the Star-Spangled Banner of the National Anthem. Oh, say can you see. The neo-Confederate spirit animating those who want Americans to sing key song and after every public event was obvious. They marched under the Confederate flag. Contemporary newspaper report tell the story, and they were liberals writing a bunch of bullshit. A Confederate banner, those who wanted the Star-Spangled Banner to serve as a national anthem, could not have been more explicit in their politics. Etta Holloway, the leader of the pro-banner force for more than two decades, defending the flying of the Confederate flag as a patriotic and dismissed the walkout of the Union veterans. It's a shame to spoil such beautiful occasions with the talk of friction. And they go on to more shit and end it with we don't need to junk the national anthem the way we need to junk justice of Roger Tanney. But as Gunnar for Hogan said, we might start by properly acknowledging our past. 
Once again, if everything's racist, what is racist? And if the national anthem is racist, you're our motherfucker of the day. So the demotion from a Category 4 to a tropical storm really hasn't stopped the threat of what is going to be historic rainfall. More than 40 inches predicted and leaving nearly 300,000 people without power currently. Could climate change be fueling the history-making nature of this storm? It's a question a lot of people are wondering. And joining me now is the founder and senior meteorologist at Eris Weather, Paul Douglas. So, Paul, what's been the most surprising thing to you uh, about Harvey, the formation of it, as we've been watching it from early in August? to what we see now after making landfall. Sure. Well, hi, Thomas. It's great to be with you. This thing went from a tropical depression to a Category 4 hurricane, a catastrophic hurricane in less than two days. That's unusual. Yeah, we don't want people to be fooled again by the downgrade and the severity of what it means for the rain and uh, the historic flooding over the next couple of days. But bigger picture, explain why this could be more to do with climate change. Well, certainly climate change, a warmer climate is now flavoring all weather, Thomas. Um, weather and climate are flip sides of the same coin. This storm would have formed regardless. But the fact that it passed over water that is two to three degrees warmer than average, that helped to fuel the storm. And also water level, sea level is a foot higher in Galveston than it was a century ago. So that's making the storm surge on the Texas coast even worse. So a convergence of factors climate change flavored this storm, it probably will make the rainfall amounts much worse than they would be otherwise. Just last month, the government issued a warning stating that because of the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico, this hurricane season, which goes on till the end of November, could be one of the worst in memory. So watch out, there could be more monster hurricanes to come. And that's that the theory that climate change is impacting all of this. Well, we're not sure, okay. However, there's no smoking gun. But it is consistent with the fact that the Gulf is warming up, and that is the energy that is driving these monster hurricanes. And according to the government, this hurricane season, watch out. How about risk of deportation for those undocumented immigrants that could be in the way of the storm's path? Are they in the clear to go to some of these evacuation centers? Do they have to show ID? Is my understanding from what I saw from the, the, the Border Patrol instructions yesterday that will not be an issue. Uh, what, what everyone is focused on right now is ensuring that we do all we can to, uh, to protect life. We all have a high regard for life. We want to ensure the safety of all lives, and we're prepared to take all measures to do so. 
could be problematic with such uh, vi- the difficulty with visibility and and all the rest. Here's a. Well, thank you. That will be uh, nice for after uh, we are done covering this. But uh, there you go. So just friendly people here. Those that we've talked to have said, hey, we're getting out. And we have boarded up our place. And they've said goodbye to us on the way out of town. Then we've also seen people that are out here snapping pictures. And they say and that the nice they're just going to uh, go ahead. Yes. And- I'm going to have to pick that up. I don't know how strong the winds have to be to cut a palm tree in half, but that's what happened at the top of this tree. But next to it, we've got Old Glory. I just I can't let Old Glory just sit here like that. The school, yeah, it's battered. So was the flag, but we've got to fold this up. Make sure this isn't a casualty to Hurricane Harvey. Can't grab this. Not the perfect fold, but definitely a, a rescue from Hurricane Harvey here in Rockport. How that was four feet of water to go get them food on the first date. Yeah, that's a lot of shit. But y'all sitting here, y'all trying to interview people during their worst times. Like, that's not the smartest thing to do. Like, people Sorry. are really breaking down and y'all sitting here with cameras and microphones trying to ask us what the fuck is wrong with us. So and you're really man. trying to understand with the microphone still in my face sorry. with me shivering cold with my kids wet and you still putting a microphone sorry, in man. my face sorry. Russell Flores, uh, it sounds like so that is, of course our media coverage of all this with the crazy shit from politics and then some fun stuff like somebody offering a Fox News guy a six pack somebody saving a flag and then that was just today a CNN reporter getting schooled by a lady in Houston as CNN tries to make a story out of this. And her reply would have been what I have, you know, what I would reply. I mean, let's be honest. I I will be doing this podcast. I'm so excited to get into this because there's so much hate and angst. And this is one of those shows that as I present it, I will be overly loud. I will curse a lot because it makes me angry. It's exciting to record it just to prove my points about who are the real divisive people in this country from my perspective as an independent. But I can't get it all done today. So you're going to get this part and then we're going to do a new social media nuggets tomorrow. It'll be released on Wednesday because I just don't have enough time. It's 3.30 already. Um, Got to spend some time with the wife and watch some TV and things like that. So this will be a two-part uh, podcast. It's going to be very long. Because there's a lot of shit in here. So as you know, up to this point, it's terrible in Houston. 30 inches of rain, flooding, cops have died, and people have made comments. Yeah. I skipped them because it wasn't as much as what you're about to see. Grandmas were rescued by jet skis. 
Red ant colonies are floating. Bats, dogs, cats have been saved. People have driven down. But to be quite honest, this is where the media was today. When they weren't getting schooled by a lady in a shelter in Houston... These are all, these are political reporters, my friends. John, uh, Todd J. Gillum. Float stiletto heels aren't exactly disaster friendly, but there's time en route to Texas to change shoes. Peter Himmler, at least Flotus won't get her feet wet. Bakari Sellers, a CNN guy. Kate Bennett, DC, I have a question. Are those stiletto hurricane ready? Edward Barmesian, Flotus departs the White House today and route to Texas in snakeskin heels. Let them eat Manalo Bahakis, Kate Roseman said. Caroline Baum, Melanie might want to bring a better pair of walking shoes. Kate Bennett, I remain hopeful she packed a change of footwear. However, for Flotus, the five-inch heels is sneakers. So, and it goes on. There's like 30 of them. Then it goes to Grisham Guru Murthy, Melania Trump is now thoughtfully wearing a hat saying Flotus, so we know who she is. Variety. From Stilettos to a Flotus hat, Melania Trump shows what not to wear in a national disaster. Oliver Willis, a CNN contributor. Trump stares at Melania, has no idea who she is. Aid put on your hat, Melania puts on Flotus hat. Trump goes, oh, you're the latest one. Surprised nobody else noticed the back of Melania's Flotus hat. Some resistant members with My Life is a Living Hell. By the end of the day, um, she changed shoes. Boy George even noticed it. She should change every 11 minutes like Cher in Vegas. <clears throat> That's how much this was tweeted by the left and reporters. So that's where they were. If they weren't doing this, uh, there's so much to unpack here. There's professors getting fired. And like I stated, I, I started a new segment. You're an asshole. And I have the top ten with honorable mentions of asshole tweets during this time. Kate Arnoff, a reminder for the next few days, Hurricane Harvey is not a natural disaster. Weather doesn't cause disasters. Capitalism and austeria. Austerity, excuse me. Hysterically over these people cause disasters. If you are a leftist and continue to ignore climate change after Harvey has made landfall, you're an idiot. That's a weather reporter. Some people said, of course, a bunch of Oompa Loompas were out in the Gulf stirring a water clockwise really fast and blowing really hard. Global warming is a BS term used before you imbeciles come up with climate change. They're both laughable. Somebody retweeted back to her. Could have been prevented if only you peasants had given most of your money to Obama and Al Gore. Yeah. There was even people in here. And here is a presumably white male who feels free verbally assault people. Wonder what he's like in real life. Hmm. A bad human being. Because Dr. Kelly Sonholz, racism kills. Republicans love this saddest is who are they are. Series of decisions made by Trump include not staffing emergency management will result in many deaths. DT's admin officially a killer. That was a string, but I'll wait till we get to actual reporters that do it because it's it's a lie. 
Anti-Maxine tweeted, this is my Venice Beach in my district, and these were taken only six hours apart, showing low tide and high tide. She actually tweeted that to talk about climate change. I just had to get a little funny one in there. George Lopez, here he is, Donald Trump, fucking heartless motherfucker. Reporter yells out any word for the people of Texas facing a Category 4 hurricane. 130 piles an hour wind. Good luck, this puto yells out. Good luck. Never had respect. Never will have respect for this fuck. And this goes on on his Instagram. I checked on my sister in Houston. Grocery shelves are stripped clean. She's been on the hunt for bread. No one feels Trump is here for us, says another one. Hand Amory. Trump's doing a heck of a job. Even a hurricane, no one is talking, taking the cowboy cooler. That was a joke somebody put in this thread. Then they show a hurricane and some videos. Matt McDermott, a reporter, this video may ultimately haunt the remainder of Trump's presidency. With the U.S. set to be hit by first major hurricane in more than a decade, it's just inexcusable for Trump not to cancel Camp David. I'm impressed by Trump's sacrifice and going to Camp David this weekend. I don't even think there's a golf course there. Oliver Willis, fake news that people are drowning while I'm in Camp David. So unfair. Trump at Camp David after basically telling Texas to go out fuck themselves. People tweeted back, uh, Obama playing golf at Martha Vinders with Larry David today. Back then, that was tweeted by Chris Saliza. <clears throat> That was during Sandy. But, you know, don't have any intellectual honesty. Christopher Hayes, no one is prepared for the insane era of regular mega flood we are entering. Steve Lochner, tweet from National News Network, White House correspondent who's supposed to be bringing you unbiased coverage of the president. Brings us to Jim Acosta. Not a good time to take shots of fake news. Millions will be relying on national local news outlets to stay safe during the hurricane. Good morning, Mr. President. What is your administration doing about the hurricane to keep Texans safe? Somebody tweeted back, he's standing on top of an oil rig in the Gulf with arms outstretched, bellowing primordial challenge to the gods of the storm. Well, Jim, we're going to deploy the weather dominator we kept in storage. Neil deGrasse, hmm... Don't see much denial of Noah climate scientist who have predicted Hurricane Harvey's devastating path in Texas. Yeah. Then a Hillary ha- staffer. Y'all, the Confederate flag crowd is helping black people evacuate in Houston. I just can't. Somebody who is black said I would absolutely get on that boat, by the way, and then when they drop me off, I tear off the flag and drop it in the flood. Maybe because when there's neighbors in need of help, effing flags are not the primary concern, somebody said. Montel Williams got in it. Hurricane Harvey's not fake news. It's real and dangerous. Good time to ignore fake President Trump. Fucking reporters during the press conference held on Friday. Friday, my friends. Was worrying that ICE would use this to round up illegals. And we haven't even gotten the bad shit yet. Because this following stretch of downright evil proves my thesis statement over and over, never let a crisis go to waste. 
And you're about to hear who's the real evil people in this country. And we haven't even got to the Antifa yet. Antifa is still part of the closed loop, my friends. We still got to cover Berkeley this weekend. This is just Harvey. And these people are fucking assholes. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. He's an asshole. So a lot of politicos were retweeting this today. Ted Cruz and Texas cohorts voted versus, versus, voted no versus New York, New Jersey aid after Sandy. But I'll vote for Harvey aid. New York won't abandon Texas. One bad turn doesn't deserve another. That was Peter King. The problem with that is within the Sandy relief package was $150 million for Alaska fisheries, $41 million for U.S. military bases, including Guantanamo Bay, $5.2 million for Justice Department, $4 million for Kennedy Space Center, $3.5 million for Homeland Security, and $2 million for Smithsonian Institute. I saw an actual unbiased reporter. 10% of the package was for aid. The rest was tasty bacon pork. Number nine, because praying for people who disagree with you politically is a bad thing. GG Frost, when you're about to tweet, pray for Texas, but then you remember with a picture of red states going for Trump. Number eight, Obama, Obama would have stopped the evil old hurricane, right? Sort of like he stopped the oceans from rising. Christina Wong, how is the pres- how is that President Trump working out for you, Houston? What I tell you, this is just like Bush all over again. He caused the hurricane. Seven P resistance. New York Congressman will vote for Harvey aid after Texas Congressman vote against Sandy aid. Is Cruz ashamed of using New York values as an insult? K nine unit to hell with Southerners. There, I said it. New York and Massachusetts started this country. We're on the right side of history when Texas and Mississippi weren't. A lot of Confederate, they're just stuck back in the Civil War, folks. Six, because the first thing anyone is thinking about is Houston floods is how women will have abortions. Camelia Harris, the flooding in Texas due to Hurricane Harvey is heartbreaking. Here's how you can help. Donate to PPFA. Miss Abbott Kinney backed her up. The best way to help Texans make a donation to Planned Parenthood, Texas. Equality Texas or the Texas Democratic Party. Hmm. Okay. It's hilarious when people we disagree with politically might die is the title for this one. Ha ha. You Trump loving rednecks deserved it. Screw Houston. Number four. And the left wonders why they keep losing. Awful. All of these nonsensical tweets count as one, by the way, from EZD. How can we ensure our donations go to good people and not Trump's Texas deplorables? Because fuck those people. 
There are harsh truths about people at risk in Texas. They are not pretty, but allocation of resources is inevitable. It's not a contradiction to acknowledge that Texas is in need and to want to target aid to those in need who don't advocate hatred. Don't be under any illusion about who Trump supporters in Texas are and what they want. Help the immigrants they oppress instead. There's a difference between spiteful cutting people off and targeting resources to those who don't vote to harm others. This is what deplorables did after Democrats donated to help in good faith. Number three, it's not a national disaster, y'all. Evil white men made this happen. Onision is his handle. There are a lot of Christians in Texas, so any of you want to explain your God doing this? Yeah. Number two, it's not like this group doesn't want the world charitable or the word human. Charitable humans. That's actually an organization. I just can't bring myself to even consider providing aid to any red state. Let them clean up their own mess. This is a 501c or a socially progressive tax exempt nonprofit harnessing the power of passionate people to accelerate the change and expand the impact of good deeds. Okay. Okay, the person that said it, presented with no comment. Mm-hmm. And the number one is Ken Story, who said this is all about karma. He went on to try to defend himself in about 95 tweets, and then he was fired. Because he's a professor. Yeah. Audible mentions. Where did that hurricane hit? Mostly white folk. Yeah. Loads of white people. Good. Fuck all the Trump-supporting-ass white people in Texas. Save all the animals from the hurricane. Kind of wish it was the only racist white people in Texas right about now. God, please let the hurricane cleanse Texas of those racist-ass white people. Amen. If you live in Texas, I hope you die. Just know that. Don't care who. This is the cleanse white people wanted. It starts with them. That's asexual goddess. The handle on that one. If you're a Trump supporter and live in Texas and you were badly affected by Hurricane Harvey, I'm glad you did. From AM. Mm-hmm. Bruce Allen Beal. I really do not give two shits of all the Republicans in Texas drowns. Because I don't know why you put an S on that. The racist GOP has led the destruction of my country. Fuck Texas. Then Ivanka Trump decided to tweet something. As we pray for those affected by Hurricane Harvey, let us also honor all the brave heroes and first responders. Hashtag Houston Strong. It was tweets about either his money or I did not know the devil's daughter prays. Criminal bitch, please. That is from The Time Is Now. Late entries, chunk younger, horrified at human toll of Hurricane Harvey, not sad about billions of damage to oil industry, chickens coming home to roost. Rucifer. A virtual signal mixed with fuck America and fuck capitalism for a guy who just got 20 million bucks. Yeah, that's true. And then Rena and about 90 other motherfuckers who saw pictures of white men saving women, dogs, cats, black people, ants, toxic masculinity, and privilege. Yeah. I could go on for four hours, my friends. That is the progressive mindset. That is all over Twitter. 
And if you think I made it up, just go ahead and log into Twitter and do hashtag Harvey and you will see some fucking horrible shit. Other closed-the-loop subjects, Jojo Pio was commutated. In ACLU National, in addition to Chelsea Manning, POTUS commuted federal prison sentence of 208 more people today, including a radical Latino. I just want to remind everybody, because all over the net, it is like the worst thing that's ever happened. Ever. How could he do this? Remember, Chelsea Manning, who was Bradley Manning, who is a fucking traitor, got pardoned. Plus a bunch of other shitheads. To Kaepernick, Floyd Mayweather's gonna getting an enormous payday tonight. Colin Kaepernick can't get a job because America. Brad Slager, Kaepernick got a job. He chose to leave his current contract and now is out of work on his own decision because dumbass. And here is a soundbite. Doug Adler made his name in the world of tennis, calling matches for ESPN, and before that, as an ace on the court. But you won't find much of that after a quick Google search. I need to know, what is it like for you to Google your own name and see the word racism used in the same sentence as Doug Adler? Yeah, it just makes me absolutely sick. Never been a racist, I've never looked at color, have never even thought of that term until this whole situation. That situation began earlier this year during the Australian Open. Adler calling a match between Venus Williams and Switzerland Stephanie Bergala. Venus was just too good. She was just too good. So in the second set, it became apparent to me what Venus was doing. Adler says he noticed Williams employing an especially aggressive style of play. That led him to make this fateful comment. You'll see Venus move in and put the gorilla effect on. Charging. To some viewers, it was clear they just heard an ESPN commentator comparing one of the world's top tennis players, an African-American, to a gorilla. Spell the word gorilla in that sentence. G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. So gorilla like gorilla warfare. Yes. Not G-O-R-I-L-L-A. Nothing to do with an animal. Everything to do with tactics, strategy, how to win the point. Two words that sound similar, but have very different meanings. Anger quickly mounted on social media. But Adler says he didn't hear about the controversy until the next day, when his boss told him he'd been branded a racist. I said, you've got to be kidding me. And he said, it's unbelievable. He says, he said, we all know what you meant. The gorilla effect. Is that a common phrase in tennis? It's been used for decades. Perhaps most famously in this iconic Nike ad from 1995, starring Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras. The ad's name? Gorilla Tennis. Those are two white tennis players. Did it ever occur to you that that term would not be appropriate when referring to or describing an African-American or black tennis player? No. No, never. When asked about Adler's comment days later, Venus Williams said this. I pay attention and address situations that are noteworthy. 
So you took that to mean this was no big deal, you'd done nothing wrong? That's exactly the way I read into it. It was nothing. But amid the uproar, ESPN asked Adler to apologize on air. The network itself issued a statement saying Doug Adler should have been more careful in his word selection. He apologized and we've removed him from his remaining assignments. Adler says the very next day he was fired. I think if people listen to the simple facts here, they're going to shake their head, Doug, and they're say there had to be another reason. Were you a pain in the ass to work with? Were you not well liked? I don't think so. Why would they have hired me for, for nine, ten straight years? Now Adler is suing the company, claiming wrongful termination. It would not have happened to John McEnroe. It would not have happened to Martina Navratilova. They would have put the time, the energy, and the resources into defending those people because they did nothing wrong. Adler became consumed with social media, spending hours responding to every single one of his critics. 20 hours a day, no food, no sleep, obsessed and passionate to get my name back and my reputation. I believed I had to do that. What toll did that take on you, that process? <laughs> I had a heart attack. Now, Adler has found a powerful ally in David Dinkins, the avid tennis fan and former New York City mayor. Does it make a difference when the term is applied or something similar? To black? Yeah, when an African-American no, player... No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it should not have been taken that way by anybody. ESPN is part of a very big company, right? Disney. And they have a responsibility to their shareholders if they feel you said something either on purpose or by accident that cast them in a bad light, don't they have the right to say thanks but no thanks? We'll end this right here. If they're doing the right thing, if they have good cause to do it, they have the right. But they didn't have good cause and I didn't do anything wrong. Why did you file the lawsuit? They killed me. They made me unemployable. They ended my career. They killed my reputation, my good name. What else was I supposed to do? Do you see a day where you'll be able to, and, and I note this, this anger in you, do you see a time where you'll be able to live without that anger? I hope so. I'm trying to live without it now. I agree there is a great degree of anger there, and I'm not happy about the anger. And until I think that I'm proven fairly, that I didn't do anything wrong, I think it's going to sit with me. ESPN says to this day they're not 100% sure which word Adler intended to use. They deny all the allegations in the lawsuit, telling us, quote, Adler made an inappropriate reference to Venus Williams for which he felt no apology was necessary. We disagree and stand 100% behind our decision to remove him from the 2017 Australian Open. A representative for Venus Williams declined to issue a comment. Hello today, fans. Yeah, I had to play that in the same line because when you say guerrilla warfare and you're fired because people are so PC, got a fucking problem, which now leads us to Antifa and we have a bigger problem with the media. As we've noted, there's been much discussion over President Trump blaming, quote, both sides for the violence in Charlottesville. Neo-Nazis, the KKK, sadly, those are groups whose names and hateful ideologies are fairly well known. But what was the other side? Well, some of those left-wing activists belong to an anti-fascist movement known as Antifa, which advocates confronting white 
uh, supremacism, sometimes with force. So joining me now are Richard Cohen, he's president of the Southern Poverty Law Center and an expert on domestic hate groups, and Dartmouth University lecturer Mark Bray. He's the author of the upcoming book, Antifa, the Anti-Fascist Handbook. So, gentlemen, I kind of want to have almost parallel conversations with you. Mark, with you on Antifa, uh, and uh, Richard, with you on what did the right-wing hate groups hear yesterday. So, Richard, let me start with you before I get to Antifa. What did they hear when the president said what he said yesterday? What, what did the KKK hear, the, these new alt-right groups, whatever you want to call them? Yeah, they've heard the same tune that the president's been singing since uh, Saturday. They love it. They think the president is not condemning them, that he is defending them. He's saying, look... There are bad guys on the other side, uh, the other people who every, the media, Chuck Todd, is uh, criticizing. Mm -hmm. They're no worse. Uh, he's really boring them. Have you seen, uh, other than their statements, have you seen new activity? Is there evidence that somehow this is a growing movement, or is it a loud movement that suddenly we're giving a microphone to? Two things I would say. First, Trump has tremendously energized the white supremacist movement in this country. There's never been a candidate in, in, in recent memory who's been endorsed by the KKK, uh, who people have rallied to. On the other hand, after Charlottesville, we saw some people back away because they don't want to be associated with kind of death and destruction. So I, I, it's going to continue because Trump has really uh, pumped a lot of life into it. When you say so back away, who backs away? Are there sort of milder white supremacist groups? Well, sometimes they're called the alt-light. And some of those people, like, for example, have backed away from the demonstration in Boston. Someone who was planning some anti-Google demonstrations has said, no, I don't want to do it because I don't want to be associated with Charlottesville. So we're seeing, you know, some people are backing away. On the other hand, some people are emboldened by this and are itching for a fight in Boston, itching for a fight in San Francisco. I think it's going to be ugly. Well... Speaking of that fight, let's go to that issue there. Mark Bray, you are writing this book, Antifa, the Anti-Fascist ha uh, Handbook. Uh, explain this movement and its roots. Right. Right. So anti-fascism goes back to the beginning of the 20th century when uh, leftists of all stripes fought back against Mussolini and Hitler. Uh, most people think of Nazism as something that died with World War II, but it really rebranded re itself, grew again in a lot of European countries, in the United States. And so the modern Antifa movement grows out of the 70s and 80s in Great Britain and Germany when a lot of immigrants, when a lot of leftists, punk rockers had to physically defend themselves mm -hmm. from neo-Nazi attacks, but only through skinheads. And that's where it grew, and that's where we can trace its lineage from today. The main perspective of Antifa is essentially that rather than simply waiting for the threat to materialize, you stop it from the beginning. You say no platform for fascism, and that's what we're seeing with the attempts in Charlottesville and elsewhere. I'm curious, first of all, is it, are you an advocate of this, uh, of this sort of confrontation? Yes, I am. Yes. What do you say to those that are concerned that, hey, you're handing, you're, you're allowing this, these white supremacists to claim victimhood here? Um, what do you say to that criticism since the president is trying to essentially create a, a false equivalency here? Well, I think there's two parts of it. One is how, does, how do far-right movements grow? 
I say they grow by becoming normalized, by not being confronted, by being able to present themselves as family-friendly and, and respectable. So part of the reason why the alt-right called themselves alt-right is to present that mainstream image. And the opposition that, that people showed in Charlottesville really uh, marred and tainted that. So I think that by showing up and confronting it, it prevents the ability of being able to be pre presented as mainstream. And, and connected that, I think really um, you need to be able to to prevent them from being able to organize. People who are involved in politics know that for movements to expand, they need to be able to organize and grow. And if you stop that, it, it prevents it. Historically, we can see that Nazism and fascism was not stopped by polite dialogue and reasoned debate. It had to be stopped by force. And unfortunately, self-defense is necessitated in the context that we're seeing today. You know, uh, Mark, you didn't see this, uh, but Richard was shaking his head no. Why do you say that is not the right way to confront these white supremacist groups? I, I think fighting fire with fire under these circumstances is going to lead to what we saw in Charlottesville. You know, when I look at how the clergy reacted to the uh, alt-right there, when I look at how many of the student groups reacted to the alt-right, we don't need the Antifa to come and, you know, make a spectacle out of it to embolden these people. They love it. That's why they came with helmets on and shields, because they want to portray themselves as martyrs. They want to portray the white race as being embattled. The idea that we want to encourage the Antifa to come with clubs, uh, you know, in all due respect to the but, presser, it seems crazy to me. Right, but, but address Mark's other point well, here. And, and, well, Mark, you go ahead. You, you, I was, I was going to get him to yeah, respond well, I mean, to your other the, point, the, which the, is... The, the historical aspect of fascism has only been defeated sure. with violence, sure. violence, right? I assume that's sure. the argument you'd make, right, Mark? Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, if our other guest wants to respond, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I guess what I would say is, you know, we have uh, the, the police, we have law enforcement, and if you know, if the if the neo Nazis act violently, we can depend upon them to uh, shut them down. These people have a right to espouse their ideas. No one hate is not illegal in this country. Hurting people is illegal, and we have First Amendment rights, and we can't squelch them uh, by having people show up at rallies with clubs. Mark, I'll go ahead and give you the last word. Yeah, so, I mean, if, we, if no one is praising the Weimar Republic for giving Nazis the right to assemble, no one is really lauding that. We're looking back and saying, isn't it unfortunate that this threat was not taken seriously earlier and stamped out before millions of people could be killed? That's the historical argument that I make, and I'd rather have people confronting them than sitting idly by. There are no great memoirs written of the people who sat idly by and watched Nazism rise to power. Are you at all concerned, though, about the rise in violence, that violence begets violence begets violence? Mark? Self-defense is important. I'm more concerned. I mean, look at Cornell West. He said that the anti-fascists defended them from being run over and attacked. So I think the notion that people are seeing the self-defense as being counterproductive is not entirely true. And I think self-defense is important. Fascism shows it is violence incarnate. It will come after us, and we need to defend ourselves. I have to say, uh, you gentlemen have been great. I appreciate your expertise. I can't believe it's 2017 and we're having to have this conversation. Um, that's what's amazing here, unfortunately. Richard Cohen, thank you, uh, the Poverty Law Center, Mark Bray over at Dartmouth. Thank you both thank you. for coming on and sharing your views. That's once again Chuck Toad giving another platform before people that believe in Antiphon. This weekend, there was a riot at Berkeley that the AP couldn't ignore, that Washington Post did an article, and so did U.S. News. Because now the jig is up. And by the end of this, I'm going to play you some sound bites 
that will fulfill my statements about who Antifa is. For those on the left who think I'm just a conservative, racist piece of fucking shit, connecting moral equivalency between Nazis and Antifa, you will now see there is a moral equivalency between both. James Wood leads us off with a picture of a woman getting attacked by an Antifa person. The brave men of Antifa attack the enemy. A lot of people regurging the Normandy and shoving it in the liberals' faces, which I can totally see how these are just like the brave men that store Normandy. Just like it. So a hundred black clad Antifascists with no hate signs, storm rally, prepper spray leader of conservative patriot prayer group, and clash with cops. Ten have been arrested after skirmishes on Sunday between competing rallies in Berkeley and California. Thousands of protesters joined a left-wing rally against hate march in the college town. They descended on a handful of pro-Trump protesters as no to Marxist rally that had been called off. Over 100 black-clad masked Antifa broke through police lines, waving anarchist flags, assaulting several people. You'll never read that in American media. That's from the Daily Mail. That's how the world sees it. So they're burning flags and Trump and effigy, pepper spraying the fuck out of people. I can show you a hundred. The guy that was leading this prayer was beat the fuck and pepper sprayed. Anybody wearing a Trump shirt beat the fuck and pepper sprayed. They even attacked a photographer and a reporter. It is linked to the Facebook page. There's no audio, but you'll see it. They beat the living shit out of him and took his camera, thinking he was a Nazi is what they're saying. But it wasn't. And the rest of the time, you'll hear him screaming and crazy. And at the end, I have inputted four different Twitter first-hand accounts of their chant. Tell me... If this is American. Just keep walking. You're not going to get him back. This guy stole my phone, man. I can tell you by looking at these guys. Okay, so we're going to announce it. If that's the case, we got a mic coming in. Yeah, it's Okay, just hold up. Let's go. Safe. You want to be safe? No, but I'm not worried about you guys hurting okay, me. Come on. I'm not after you. I'm come filming on. what's going on. I'm a journalist. And I don't know why you took my damn phone. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not a Nazi. I love everybody, man. I have no problems with people. I love gays. Get off of me! 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 Get off of
Boys and girls, no Trump, no wall, no USA at all. Ralph Boy USA watched it for 20 minutes. He's one of the people I captured the video from. Because your media wouldn't show that. From what I researched, some of it got on CNN and they cut away. So what was the reaction? Ture, if white supremacists are American terrorists and those willing to physically fight them are doing heroic work. Noted liberal takes Antifa under his wing while making excuses for their violence. At one point, a left-wing protester denounced the Latino man holding a God bless Donald Trump sign. You are an immigrant, said Carla Fonseca. You should be ashamed of yourself. Southern people also yelled at the man who said he was born in Mexico but supports Trump's proposal to build a wall because he believes in legal migration. Police pulled one supporter of President Donald Trump out of the park over a wall by a shirt as a crowd of about two dozen counter-demonstrators, see how they write it, demonstrators, surrounded him and chanted not to go home and pushed him towards the edge of the park. At least two people were detained by officers wearing bandanas covering the faces. Anti-rally protesters chanted slogans, no Trump, no KKK, no fascist USA, and carried a sign that said Berkeley stand. SF Gate. Yeah. A lefty paper, masked anarchists violently rout right-wing demonstrator. Couldn't go all the way. An army of anarchists in black clothing and masks routed a small group of right-wing demonstrators who have gathered in Berkeley Park Sunday to rail against city's famed progressive politics, driving them out, sometimes violently, by overwhelming a huge contingent of police officers. 
The mass counter-protesters, often referred to as Antifa or Antifascists, significantly outnumbered the people who had come for the rally, many of them who wore red clothing, indicating support for President Trump. The anarchists chased away the right-wingers. In one case, four or five people pummeled a man with fists and sticks before a radio host for Reveal, Al Jennison, jumped in to shield the victim. And one of many incidents caught a video of police protecting Joe Gibson, a leader of the conservative group, who had canceled a rally Saturday at Chrissy Field. The footage shows that Gibson backed away from a mob of black-clad aggressors who swore hit him with a stick and shouted, Fascists, go home. Gibson leapt over Concrete Bearer before being chased in the embrace of riot-gear-clad cops. The violence in the park remained under investigation. Police asked witnesses to report all injuries and submit any videos. After past protests, videos help police make arrests. They go on in the rest of the article and cover a bunch of people who got their ass kicked. Shane Bauer from Mother Jones. The narrative forming of today's online is that it was super violent, Berkeley. There were some fights, but overall it wasn't actually that bad. It, if all the things I tweeted, the things getting shared the most, the video of five people beating someone up. There were thousands of demonstrators against hate. Relatively little violence overall. If all of you share is one beatdown, it's problematic. Cover it up. JJ McNabb crushed him with, there are multiple videos, pally. Then he says, the same Mother Joe's guy, true, but this is the weakness of the internet reporting. You still an entire day in a few moments to select what moments those want to portray. So, oh yeah, but no, 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 look there. Look to the, look over here. There's a bear. Don't look over there. Slate, how to prevent armed demonstrators from dominating peaceful protests. From Slate, perhaps instead of focusing on better arming the police, we should at least consider disarming the protesters. There are already limits on open carries for airports and some school zones. Zoning where someone can and cannot openly carry deadly weapon is nothing new. Let's add peaceful protest to the list. There should be restrictions placed upon the armament of protesters. Somebody asked, does this include the Antifa protesters that show up at the clubs, bottles of urine, rocks? During this, Washington Post, why the American left gave up on political violence? There's just some, just some, you know, percep- perception there. That's what we were putting out. Until Monday, and I gotta wait for the WAPO to let me get back in, cause you only get five articles a month, but they did an article today. Ben Shapiro, Berkeley, has agreed to host us. They say support free free speech, but for us to do it, we gotta pay 15k. That means the police should damn well do their jobs and stop violence. No excuses. Attendees do not show up for violence. Somebody pointed out, if I'm to understand it correctly, conservatives may purchase their First Amendment rights for roughly $15,000 at UC Berkeley. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's your left-wing, anti-racist, peaceful protesters. Out of control. So out of control. Morning Joe's gonna take, Morning Joe off MSDNC is gonna take us to a music break with their condemnation of these jackasses. Berkeley, California, where anti-fascist protesters chased, attacked, and beat Trump supporters as thousands of demonstrators descended on Martin Luther King Civic Park. The event was branded as a peaceful stand against hate rally, but quickly turned into the opposite. 
It came after organizers had canceled a separate anti-Marxist rally, citing concerns over safety. The Los Angeles Times linked to this video posted on Twitter, which purported to show Antifa members beating down an apparent alt-righter. Berkeley has seen a number of clashes this year between political opponents, some surrounding controversial speakers on campus. Officers reported at least 14 arrests over the weekend. Nick, uh, this, is, this is an ongoing problem, ongoing problem in Berkeley especially, where uh, members of the far left are using violence to shut down free speech. Uh, and there to, to shut down demonstrators. Look, this is new. This is not just uh, scuffles between rival protesters, right? This is shutting down someone else's speeches with a violent assault. Now, you saw the guy in the red shirt there appeared to be trying to help the guy on the ground. Mm -hmm. I think he was a different protester. Well, I, but it, it's it's revolting. And might have been a reporter. I, I don't know. Or maybe it was a different well, protester. But, you know, horrible. also, you know, the police, I mean, when the police see these guys coming in with, with masks, they need to do, I think they did it in Auburn, Alabama, maybe four or five months ago. Take your mask off. Yeah. Yep. Take your mask off because you have a history of beating people and hiding behind that mask. Take your mask off. Also, I, I resent the branding of these as anti-fascist protesters. They are nothing if They're not fascist in their behavior. They're yeah. fascists in their behavior, aren't they? There's nothing anti-fascist about that. But it gets to the, a larger issue that you referenced, and it's the, uh, the suppression of free speech on college campuses that is getting to near epidemic proportion. Yeah. Well, I, I know. This is a very extreme version of that. Do it. 
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. leads off our tweets of the day with I ran for president in 2012 and I lost too, like Hillary did four years later. I write a book about it called What the Fuck Happened? <laughs> but her tweet that I am I would get this tattooed on myself if my wife would let me. The offended are the most offensive. And in our world 2017 right now where it's just incredibly fucking stupid that that rings so true. Ian Livingston, I just saw a fireball meteor to the north of me in Davis, West Virginia. Looked to be headed east to west, green with a trail. This sent a bunch of people into a panic that somehow, somehow, somehow Trump had got a hold of the codes. He got the codes! Kevin Aldred, a Beyonce professor. Yeah, that's true. Every time I say it on the show and I hear it, if I review my podcast, I go, wow, that's a professor. My article is making white people really mad today. <clears throat> the unbearable white womanhood of Taylor Swift. When Taylor Swift posted a teaser clip for a new music video for single, Look What You Made Me Do, she got instantly hated. Taylor Swift has built her entire post-2009 career off racism and white supremacy. And white people really don't want me to touch too much about it. From the article, 
In Beyonce's commercial, her past moments and achievements were celebrated, but she was lovingly shutting a particular door to the public. Swift is throwing open every door in the house to threaten us what else might be lurking in the dark. She's weaponizing her reputation, which is that of a doe-eyed, perpetually victimized white woman, and holding the world hostage. She's weaponizing her white womanhood, as she's been doing since 2009, in an attempt to co-opt and subvert the strategy of a black woman, Beyonce, for her own gain. Don't fall for it. Taylor Swift has attempted to keep us all trapped in 2009 for long enough. If she's unlocking the opening doors, it's time we run! Like Beyonce says in the commercial that Swift clearly didn't study before she ripped it off. Embrace your past, but live for now. He tried to back this up with like tweets for all the folks screaming Beyonce isn't original either. You're wrong! This makes a difference! This is how she works! I'm actually simultaneously terrified and excited for what Bonsi will do next! Because it could kill us all with its beauty! Oh my fucking god! Jonah Goldberg just summed it up and it's our tweet of the day. Aldred thinks to himself, this is the truth bomb that will change everything. Hits tweet button, breathes deeply like a victorious hero. Hey, tweet of the day! We wouldn't, as a movement, take a seat at the table with uh, Trump because we wouldn't have done that with Hitler. Trump is um, literally the epitome of evil. All the evils of this country, be it racism, capitalism, um, sexism, homophobia. And he has set out some of the most dangerous policies, uh, not just that impacts this country, but impacts the globe. And so for us, uh, the answer is not to sit with Trump, but to resist him and to resist every single policy that he's um, uh, implemented that impacts our communities. And I think if I'm thinking about what I want my children to know in 30, 40, 50 years, I want them to know that I resisted a president at all, at, uh, at all costs because this president literally tried to kill our community. That's a major leader leader in the BLM movement. And they say, this country needs open and honest dialogue about race, except with POTUS, because he he's Hitler or something. Juxtapose them and Antifa. And once again, I ask you, who's the motherfucker now? Because if you want to reflect back on 2016, remember... Grandma Hillary's sitting in a tunnel trying to talk to these people and they're telling her to get fucked. When everything's racist, what's racist? Maxine Waters, Trump disrespects minorities, lifts up white nationalists, demeans women, and every day finds a way to undermine civil rights. He's deplorable. Political offender says, no, he doesn't do any of these things. You are a liar, a deplorable liar, and a race hustler. Yeah, see, Maxie, the word right there is why Hillary lost. Don't you get the memo? Somebody just begged her, please, for God's sake, stop the hate pushing and dividing the country. Please find a way to accept that he is the president. You can't change that. You can't. But Keith Oberman will not accept it. This is just a week in the life of Keith Oberman. Tweet one, the hurricane is going to do less damage to schools than you are, motherfucker. 
Keith Oberman, you and POTUS can go fuck yourselves, you racist Nazi fucks. Nick Short said exactly what I just said. A day in the life to keep Oberman. Imagine being filled with this much hatred. Stacy Dash, and people are upset at me? You can say this and no fake social outrage? Matt Flora, duh. It's okay for them to spit out hate speech because they love it. Or they love all. Such a joke. Dina, the left double standard at work here. Derek Burnett, this is the liberal M.O., Betsy Devos rounds out the week for Keith. Our prayers are with all those in the path of Hurricane Sandy. Stands ready to assist impact schools. Keith Oberman, the hurricane is going to do less damage to schools than you are, you motherfucker. He cut and paste the same thing to Devos as he did to Trump. Classy Keith, once again, showing the world that he's super tolerant. I ask you, please. I ask you, folks. How is that okay? If I tweet motherfucker to somebody, I'm either blocked or the tweet's deleted by Twitter. Tried it once. Got deleted. I went to his feed. There are 10 motherfuckers this week. That's the left. To women, blacks, Fuck it. Fuck it. You can be racist when you're on the same team. Peter Dow, Hillary sycophant. You either voted for Hillary or Trump. You either helped her or him. And you do did so knowing exactly what Trump was because he told you. All caps. He is still eight months into the presidency typing shit like this every day. But don't fear lefties, first graders, elementary teachers, L-G-G-B-T-T-T-T-I-Q-Q-A-A-P-P. I guess this is the new version of LGBT cosine of four. Lesbian, gay, genderqueer, bisexual, demisexual, transgender, trans, uh, transgender, transsexual, two-spirit, intersex, queer, questioning, asexual, alias, parasexual, and polymorous inclusivity training for the Durham ETFO exclusive stewards and other interested members featuring a presentation by Dr. Bob Perry and the UIOT of Durham PFLAG Monday, June 6th from 4 to 5 p.m. This is a flyer somebody found. Posted it up. This was actually in the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario. Wow. I put that in the hate tweets because if you have that many letters and different classifications just for sex, going with your 58 different classifications of gender, you got a lot to work out over there. Come talk to me when you get it done, okay? When you whittle that fucking shit down to fucking like one letter... And maybe 10 genders. I'll start recognizing the proper pronoun. But right now, our schools? Yeah, that doesn't happen. First graders sent to principal's office for misidentifying another child's new gender. 
A first grade girl attending a charter school in California faced disciplinary actions after she misidentified a peer's new gender, according to a California-based pro-family group. Karen England, executive director of the Capital Resource Institute, a pro-family group in Sacramento, revealed the offending incident to the Washington Times on Wednesday. There was a little girl who had been in class with a little boy all last year. England explained to the Times, they're in different classes now, but you saw him on the playground yesterday and called him by his name. Little girl was told, you can't do that. His name is his name, and you need to call him a her. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a thing right now in 2017. A thing. First grader, six years old. Yeah. It's like a fucking re-education camp up in this bitch. Chelsea Handler, we're still going after kids, folks. How is Sarah Huckabee ever going to be able to look her kids in the eye? She will never look back at this time and think, yep, killed it. Paul Saka says, how is Chelsea Handler going to look her dog Tammy in the eye? She'll never be able to look back at her failed comedy career and think, yep, killed it. But it brings us to the big hate of the week. I heard this this weekend while I was riding my John Deere green tractor mowing the lawn. House new Democrat bill asking for Trump to be removed via the 25th Amendment. We tried this once before and then we tried to censure one. This one, this one's classic. And I got sound bites. House Democrat will introduce legislation on Friday asking Vice President Mike Pence and the cabinet to consider removing President Trump from office under the 25th Amendment. Trump has exhibited an alarming pattern of behavior and speech causing concern that a mental disorder may have rendered him unfit and unable to fulfill his constitutional duties, says the resolution written by Representative Zoe Lockfren. As Vox Andrew Prokop has explained, Section 4 of the 25th Amendment gives the Vice President and eight cabinet members the authority to unilaterally force the President for office if they deem him unable to discharge the power or the duty of the office. The amendment arose out of concern about what should happen if the president is unfit for the job, which even some Senate Republicans are beginning to suggest. What matters less here is the fate of the legislation. It will be dead on arrival in a Republican Congress, but who is behind it? Lofgren is regarded as a particularly left-wing Democrat, and an embrace of the proposal suggests calls to undemocratically remove Trump or moving into the Democratic Party mainstream as his crisis multiply. As recently as May, the vast majority of Democrat officials were rejecting left-wing activist calls for impeachment as absurdly premature. She tweeted, something is seriously wrong with President Trump. Why can't he just condemn Nazis? Unscripted words today show who he really is. Shameful. And they have it. The whole resolution urging the Vice President and the Cabinet to fulfill their duties pursuant to Section 5 or 4 of the 25th Amendment. Wherein the vice president, majority of other principals, officers, executive departments, or such other bodies as Congress may be law provide, transmit to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representative the written declaration the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The vice president shall immediately assume the powers and the duties of the office of the acting president. Yeah, she's not a lefty, but she's from California. Okay. Nice job, Vox. We're not fucking morons. So Jackie Spear... I guess is a better face because the Zogloff, I'm being a sexist, is ugly as my butthole right now. And she's, I can say that because if, if Keith Olbermann could call motherfuckers motherfuckers, well then motherfucker, I'm going to do it. And so she made the rounds to understand the background. 
She's from Jonestown. She went down with some guy. Everybody got fucking whacked. Remember that? They all drank the Kool-Aid, which is what the left's doing right now. Drinking a lot of Kool-Aid. It's not poisonous, but it's still Kool-Aid. And when she came back, she ran and got his office. And she's been in office out in California for fucking an eternity. At the end of the soundbite, I luckily got my hands, thanks to John Gibson, who you will hear making comments over this audio at times. Dilbert. No cartoon that's ever been conservative watched this and had his own commentary that is fucking priceless. Actually, the legislation uh, urges the vice president, along with the cabinet, to secure the assistance of medical professionals. Uh, as has been noted by your prelim into this, uh, a lot of people are concerned about the president's behavior. He seems to lack impulse control. He uh, swings from topic to topic. Any of us who's had an older uh, person that we know uh, suffering from a mental decline can see certain signs that worry us. Dementia. Uh, someone who seems lost and where they are. Um, you Can't know, find his car keys. Israel saying we just got back from the Middle East. Did he not know that uh, Frederick Douglass had died or was he confused? Lost in I time. That if this were a obvious physical disability, let's say a massive heart attack, the vice president and the cabinet would be getting the advice of medical professionals. Similarly, with these questions, they should get advice from medical oh. professionals on whether this is the president just being an odd person or whether this there's a problem here. Okay. Isn't it just the case that you do not like the way the president acts? And so uh, you believe that it, it must be some, or there's, it's possible there's some illness behind it? Like, no, no here, that's really not, it's true. I don't agree with the president. There's no question no, about that. Right. But this is an entirely different matter. This is for the vice president under the 25th Amendment, and the vice president is certainly no enemy of the president, and the cabinet, all of whom have been selected by the president, to discharge their obligations under the Constitution to make sure that there isn't a problem with the president's capacity to serve. If, if they find with the help that they get uh, that he is, then they've satisfied that question. Are you questioning his fitness? Yes, I do. I, I, I really question uh, his uh, ability to, uh, his fitness to be in this office. And I also uh, am beginning to wonder uh, about uh, his, his motivation for it. Maybe, maybe he is looking for a way out. It's talking about his instability in Congress for some time now. If you go back in time like six years and watch interviews that he gave then, where he could put a whole sentence together, mm -hmm. um, but now tends to put a few words together and then goes off into uh, another sentence unrelated to the first, uh, it is a an indication to me that uh, there is some trouble there that is more than just a one-off. In discussions among friends and family and debates on social media, people are questioning the president's fitness. Oh. But these conversations are happening in newsrooms and TV studios as well. Usually after the microphones are off or mm. after the stories are filed, after the paper's been put to bed, uh. people's concerns and fears and questions come out. Mm. Pause. Questions that often feel 
out of bounds. Long off pause. Limits, too hot for TV. Here's a long pause. Questions like these. There it is. Is the president of the United States a racist? Okay, now you. Pause. Is he suffering from some kind of illness? Ah. Is he fit for office? Ooh, serious. Serious. And if he's unfit, what? Then man? what? Oh my God! What will we do? These are upsetting, polarizing questions. That they're uncomfortable mm -hmm. to ask. But we in the national news media can't pretend like our readers and viewers aren't already asking. They are asking. No, they're not. This is how deep the country's divide has really become. So this is Congresswoman Jackie Spears, who is about to make her case on CNN that the President of the United States is literally crazy and that she can tell by looking at him uh, and watching what he does, of course. Let us, uh, let us watch together as she makes the case that the Commander-in-Chief is crazy and see how she comes off on this. All right, so I played you a bite from that interview that he was watching when he was making his little Facebook or YouTube uh, video, and uh, uh, you, you can hear her in the background as he's watching. So what specific examples can you cite of, as evidence that the president is not stable enough uh, to, to evidence. build his job? Good, good. Let's go with the evidence. Well, there's actually a growing mountain of evidence that Lots of the president mountain. has been very erratic. Very erratic. Has shown a mental instability. It was crystallized what about the last evidence? week with a combination of... Well, here it comes, here it comes, the evidence. ...comments about fire and fury that he offered up against... Hold on, hold on. Her evidence of his craziness is that he knows how to negotiate and has successfully moved North Korea. Is that her evidence that he's crazy? Because a, a less generous person would say that's evidence she's stupid. Ah, it's our hypocrisy, which we've been talking about pretty much for, what, an hour and a half right now? Lurid Trump allegations made by Louis Mensch, Louise Mensch, excuse me, and co-writer came from Hoaxer. Mensch and Claude Taylor t tweeted details of criminal inquiries that didn't exist. Hoaxer, who fed information, said she acted out of frustration over fake news. Taylor issues Maya Culpa on Twitter after being approached by Guardian. Thousands of people have reposted the false claims tweeted by Taylor, a former staffer in Bill Clinton's White House. Mench, a former member of Parliament in the UK, retweeted at least 18 posts by Taylor that were based on the hoaxer's false information and spread them further afield. The pair describe themselves as co-writers and have cultivated a large fan base among some critics of Trump's. Uh, they're just called critics. Mm, many of whom identify as members of the resistance. 
movement eager to see the president removed. This is in Britain. You're not getting it here, but it's in Britain, even though the Taylor dude's an American. Taylor has about 200,000 followers. Mensch, 267. She's been on MSDNC. She was on CNN talking about this very shit. They've done no recanting. There are over a hundred, there's like 200,000 retweets of lies. In the article, claimed report thing that the mainstream media will not. They have also been moved to collect money from readers. Mensch website Probiotics accepts a donation to fund more writers and research. Taylor has said he will soon establish an online fundraising campaign to protect himself from legal threats. A GoFundMe page created has already gotten 18 grand. Taylor Mensch also repeated an invented claim from the source that former President Bill Clinton knew of criminal wrongdoing by Trump's model agency and was preparing to testify the prosecution. Taylor posted another series of tweets making lurid allegations about Trump's model agency that yet again matched invented claims supplied to him in emails from the hoaxer. I went to her Twitter page. She retweeted them today. It's saying it's a prostitution ring. It's all fake. And it was retweeted 40,000 times. Remember that show we did on it? This is how they win the argument. They got all these people that would believe. Trump's got two cocks. One of them's black and he chopped it off because he's a racist. That shit would fly out the fucking door like it was. Boom. Hot off the press. New York Magazine joins our hypocrisy. Kathy Griffin lost job, money, and friends over her Trump image, but she refuses to bend the knee. As Yasha reports, deplorable Virginia, Virginian responds, bullshit. She cried and begged for mercy, forgiveness, and claimed she was being bullied. Screw you and your fucking lies. Mm-hmm. The meme that was going out this week by the resistance about the FEMA director, Joy Reid, is in our hypocrisy. She's in our hypocrisy every week because she's a fucking race-baiting Hillary Shill little fucking piece of shit. Oh, wait a minute, I'm going to be Keith Overman. She's a motherfucker. No FEMA director, no NOAA director, no head of DHS, plus an administration filled with cronies and climate change deniers. Going great. Problem is, somebody tweeted right back to her, FEMA director is Brock Long, NOAA head is Benjamin Friedman, and DHS head is Elaine Duke. Sorry about that. To show that the left is even eaten by the left, Will Gaines, someone should have acknowledged Houston, the star of the VMAs, you all are for not forgotten. Allie came back with the same thing. Uh, the fact not one person has brought up Harvey is honestly sad. Millions are suffering right now. What we did get... Don't bore us tweets on stage holding a fidget spinner talking about how the world is on fire in 2017 in a nutshell. But fear not, moon bats. I think I'm going to start calling you moon fruit bats. MTV awards go political in Trump era. MTV's glitzy award show took a political turn Sunday at a tense time in the United States with the music world's top stars taking aim at white supremacist and Donald Trump. 
The Video Music Award generally wants more for pop culture moments than for news of the winners. Also gave Taylor Swift a, a platform to show off a new darker image as she premiered her new video. Pop superstar Katy Perry, the host of the gala, floated on the stage in Los Angeles in a spaceman suit reminiscent of the awards Moonman statue, rechristened as the Moon Person. <laughs> Everything was gender neutral this year, boys and girls. Top artists, not male and female. MTV merged its male and female categories from the awards and invited a number of trans U.S. service people to watch the show to dog Trump. Perry, one of the most vocally vocal celebrity campaigners for defeated candidate Hillary Clinton, took aim at Trump as she urged fans to choose a winner and category their mind and open to online voting. This is one election where the popular vote actually matters, but hurry up before some random Russian pop star wins. Paris Jackson, a model and the daughter of late King of Pop, took aim at white supremacists. We must show these Nazis, she said, that we have zero tolerance for their violence and hatred. The mother of Heathery Heyer, a 32-year-old woman killed when a white supremacist supporter ran his car on the counter-protester, was set to appear later at the VMAs. She was not present. Best Fight Against the System, a new award that recognized activism in music. With Texas being whipped by massive storms, Harvey, the gala also sent best wishes to residents of Harm Way. Perry asked viewers to consider donation to the American Red Cross. Taylor goes gothic. Rapper Kendall Lamar was leading the evening with eight nominations amid a claim for his latest al- album, Damn, and blah, 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 fucking blah, with periods of blah, and you're all fucking idiots, blah. Dinesh D'Souza, what? Is this true? The white supremacist organizer of Charlottesville Rally was, wait for it, a CNN operative. In an article that claims CNN paid the leader of the Unite the Right, the white nationalist group who gained notoriety in Charlottesville after clashing with Democratic terror group Antifa, reporting the case of Jason Kessler, the man who organized the whole fucking thing, was on the CNN payroll. According to the Internet Sleuths, a story on Occupy Wall Street for five years ago was filed on CNN website, credits CNN assignment editor Jason Kessler. Oh, CNN, you got some splaining to do, S.A.? What liberal media? Author, most media are more than fair to conservatives. Writer Eric Alterman, Alterman's View, the racist, sexist, Islamophobic psychopath Trump threatens the mainstream media, but reporters and edi- editors are oblivious to the danger, not only to their livelihoods, but to their entire reason for being. In a piece published Thursday at Salon, he discussed issues raised by a recent Harvard-MIT study of 2016 campaign coverage. He claims that the report clarifies a number of points that ought to alarm anyone who cares about the future of American democracy and the ability of the mainstream media to cut through the massive layers of propaganda purposely created by the far right. He warned, conservatives are winning a war that liberal centrists and indeed anyone who believes that politics should be tethered to recognizable reality don't even know they are fighting. Racism and Islamophobia from outlets like Breitbart and the lunatic ravings of Alex Jones drove the news coverage of the election even in our most prestigious outlets. Twitter and Facebook were dominant by phony stories designed to discredit Clinton and cable news. Reinforce these priorities allowing Trump surrogates to lie with impunity and without correction. Today, the keep it simple decree is as much as anything understood to shield. 
Its purpose now is to ensure that everyone who reads or hears a given news report can understand it and not put off by the snooty or worse elitist attitudes of the highly educated big city caber, caber netting sipping, uh, caber, Cabernet, fuck man. Cabernet sipping journalists look down his nose at God-fearing, hard-working, patriotic American. Second rule serves a similar, albeit parallel purpose. If both sides are quoted equally, then the journalist cannot easily be accused of favoring one over the other. It does not matter if one of these sides has to be crazy or lying or racist or whatever. Yeah, he had the right to, he, he actually wrote that. People agreed with it. I don't want to rehash 2016, but if, if you watched, would just take your political prison out. They were so in the tank for Hillary, they were handing her questions. That's all I have to say. CNN was handing her questions so she could beat Bernie. In a rigged election. Trump attacks on media reliably drive New York Times in hysteria. Ugly edge will get people hurt. Jim Ruttenberg dominated the front page of Business Day Thursday, showing his paranoia towards Trump. Target practice. Trump's latest attack on journalism has a particularly ugly edge. In it, he, uh, he says surgeon digital, he's talked about the surgical surge of digital subscription, which is alive. Already shown it. Anybody's been with the show? I had it. I shut the fucking thing off because I got sick of 95 stories a day that Trump's the devil. And the lady on the phone told me they're losing people left and right. She wasn't a Trump supporter. Every time you think President Trump's anti-press rhetoric can't get worse, he finds a way of surprising you, not surprising you at all at the same time. Talked about Phoenix, don't let our country and our taking away our history and our heritage. The moment matters. Mr. Trump's latest attack on the media came at a time of heightened racial tension from Charlottesville and continuing now in the national debate over removing statues and commemorating a Confederate figure from the Civil War. Mr. Trump's speech in Phoenix reprised a question spawned by his raucous rallies during the presidential campaign. How long before someone is seriously hurt or worse? Rundenberg devoted half a sentence to the violence of Charlottesville against journalists committed by left-wing anti-fascist goons of Antifa before swinging back to those scary Trump supporters. Folks, I ask you after just the Antifa and close the loop, how many articles do you read? How many freaking TV spots have you seen about Trump supporters hitting people? I would play the theme... To Jeopardy, doom, do do, because you're not going to find it. It's not happening. But every rally, Antifa is beating people. The New York Times documents and court case show reckless smear of Palin Pack. They're going to lose that case, boys and girls. It's not looking good. A great hypocrisy is bustle glorifies the dog poop protest against Patriot Prayer as genius. This is a thing. I, I This is a fucking thing. Regardless of how childish something might be, the left will praise any action that lines up with their ideals. For example, take the Patriot Prayer Freedom Rally scheduled to happen over August 26th and 27th. After Congressman Nancy Pelosi decided it was a white supremacist rally, the people of San Francisco swallowed the lie and decided to protest by leaving dog feces on Chrissy Field before the rally. And Bustle reported the protest as genius. Apparently no one saw that transsexuals and minorities would be speaking at the rally. 
Bustle even quoted the organizer of the counter-protest, Terrence Ryan, as saying, I just had this strange image of alt-right people stomping around in poop. I was trying to think of a way where we could have an act of disobedience without having to confront each other face-to-face and risk physical contact that we're going to do because we believe we can. And the police back us. Essentially, they're trying to paint this rally as the second Charlottesville. One had to wonder, did Ryan read the Patriot Prayer announcement on Facebook? The group specifically stated that they are bringing in minorities to speak at the rally. It said, before you accuse Patriot Prayer of being hateful, please find specific examples. You will not find any hate speech. You are being lied to by corrupt politicians. SF is supposed to be safe haven for minorities. If this is true, then please be respectful to the player speakers we are bringing. Here comes the apocryphy part. Three blacks, two Hispanics, one Asian, a Samoan, a woman, a Muslim, and a white male. There will also be an opportunity for an open mic for moderate Americans. There is also a transsexual who will be leading a prayer group at the rally. But all the people saw was that it was organized by a Trump supporter. While Bustle begrudgingly admits that the group had stated that it was not a hate group, and also gleefully reported that the rally is less than half the pledge attendees that the poop, poop protest had. Yeah, poop protest. Can we be any more childish? And I ask you, at the Women's March, did you see that kind of diversity? You know, it's one of the hypocritical things about our times right now. If you looked at the 2016 election, two Latinos, black guy, woman, a bunch of old white dudes. But all the media would say is a bunch of old white dudes are running for the GOP because they're all a bunch of fucking racists. And they're Hitler. They're Hitler racist. No, Hitler racist white supremacist. And then you watch the Democratic one and it's two old people look like on the Jerry Lewis fucking telethon. Which I forgot to notice. Or I, I forgot to bring that up. He passed. And Jerry Lewis was... A great guy. So let's get out of you know, let's get out of this segment for a second and go. I don't know how many times as a kid I watched that telethon or his old movies, and I, I missed it. I didn't even cover it. I meant to, and I didn't. But that's a huge blow. I love Jerry Lewis. I do. But seriously, folks, poop protest. Yeah. To our media mash, CNN brave journalists covering Trump. They're just brave because they're there. Blitzer allows guests to compare Trump to Nazis. George Ramos, a race hustler, talking on CNN. Schlap! Khan's itching for a fight after Obama. Enjoy. You know, first of all, I think that we should point out that there are right now at this second, you know, reporters in the media who are putting themselves in the middle of this confrontation to chronicle what is happening, to inform the American people. And, and that is a very brave and courageous thing to do, uh, that we have right now at this moment in history, you know, men and women that are willing to put themselves in harm's way in volatile situations to tell the truth, show the truth, uh, and let the American people make the decision for themselves. This, this is an important distinction, Chris. That pace, 
five a day is not checkable and a lot of things go by and they don't get checked. Really? Well, the reason why is because it's just too much and I think that we as the referees for the American people need to really prioritize what we go to town on. We have to go to town on those things which have the most potential to impact public policy. For example, like the claim about fraudulent voters. That has led to an entire government commission that is now going to come up with recommendations that may be based on a wholly false premise about millions of illegal people voting. This place, one Trump using a teleprompter, very nice words, very conciliatory words, almost certainly written by somebody other than Trump. And then the night before, we saw the real Trump, a man that is totally, totally out of control and uh, engaged in a rhetoric that uh, uh, slams the press, which, by the way, happens to be the very first thing that a dictator will do to secure his position is to delegitimize the press. And Trump has been at that for his entire campaign, in fact, his entire uh, presidency. We've got to be very concerned about that. And then uh, the lies, the pathological lying that's going on is just beyond. That creates yet another problem of just exactly what are our friends and opponents uh, to believe. What is the role of the president? What is he really going to do? There's no way to know because the truth is constantly changing in his mind. I want to get to that issue of uh, lying, if you will, but what, what, when you suggest the words uh, that the president uh, is doing what dictators try to do and stifling or or blasting the news media, just elaborate a second on that. I want you to be precise. Well, I'll be very precise. If one were to look at Nazi Germany, that was the very early part of their uh, tenure was to delegitimize the press. They constantly attacked the press. They always were going they and us, them and us, back and forth. Uh, and that's exactly what this president is doing. Uh, he is using a tactic that not only in that particular country, but, across, but around the world, uh, to delegitimize, to, to muzzle, or to, in many cases, just destroy the free press. We count on the free press in this nation uh, as a source, a counterbalance uh, to uh, Congress, to the presidency, to the power of government. And it is extremely important that it not be delegitimized. And all the words that he's using, fake press, and on and on, are all part of that. And last night, we saw him do it to a fairly well. Well, just to, just to follow up, Congressman, because those are strong words, are you suggesting the president wants to be a dictator? He's certainly power hungry. There's no doubt about that. The words that he's used uh, during his campaign, I will do this. I am the only person that can do this or that. Uh, does he want to be a dictator? He certainly wants to push the Congress aside. He's already taken into the, uh, the judicial system by going after uh, federal judges, uh, and it goes on and on. Uh, this man is clearly not fit to be president. Uh, this man it does not have the demeanor or the temperament to be president, but he is our president. And so those of us in Congress are going to have to push back, and we're going to have to push back very strongly. We have legislation in place, not only impeachment legislation, but more to the point of the nuclear issues, depriving the president of the opportunity to use nuclear as a first strike. They, of course, would remain as a deterrent, which has been their presumed purpose from the very earliest days of the nuclear arc. Senator Montenegro, let me Thank start you. with you. Arizona has two Republicans in the U.S. Senate. Both of them came out 
against the pardon of Sheriff Arpaio done this way. Senator Jeff Flake tweeting, quote, Regarding the Arpaio pardon, I would have preferred that the president honor the judicial process and let it take its course. Senator John McCain was even blunter. He tweeted, quote, The president's pardon of Joe Arpaio, who illegally profiled Latinos, undermines his claim for the respect of rule of law, unquote. Uh, Senator, why, in your view, are your two Republican U.S. senators wrong about this issue? Well, thank you for having me, Jake, first of all. And, you know, there's there's longstanding disagreements uh, between those gentlemen and Sheriff Joe. I don't want to get in the middle of that, but I can tell you that there's also congressmen here in Arizona, like Congressman Trent Franks, Congressman Paul Gosar, Ca- Congressman Andy Biggs, who have lauded and, and stand strongly behind the president's decision to uh, pardon Sheriff Joe. And look, what's on display here is, frankly, the hypocrisy from the left. You know, you had President Obama pardoning hundreds of thugs. You had President Obama, I think his name was Oscar Lopez Rivera, who was a convicted, uh, unrepented terrorist. And where was the outrage from the left then when he was pardoning uh, thugs and murderers and unrepented terrorists like that? But you have here uh, an 85-year-old man who, frankly, has served his country since he was 18. Um, and the best the left can come up with after they do a political persecution on him is a misdemeanor who even then that was, I don't think, uh, I don't believe that was done correctly through the judicial process. So what we're seeing here is outrage uh, on one end, a double standard, but not, not when it comes to actual terrorists or unrepented thugs and terrorists like Oscar Lopez Rivera. Oh, hi. Uh, I think Senator Montenegro is forgetting that he's an immigrant from El Salvador and that Sheriff Joe Arpaio discriminated against many people, just like you, Senator. Um, by pardoning Arpaio, uh, President Trump is defending racism. Arpaio violated the Constitution. He discriminated against Latinos. He was convicted of a criminal contempt of court. And, and not only that, the Department of Justice, ACLU, two judges agreed that he practiced and promoted racial profiling. In other words, he was accused of racism. Sheriff Arpaio discriminated against thousands of Latinos. He destroyed many homes. And that's precisely, that's precisely the man that in the middle of a hurricane, President Trump pardoned. Well, Jake, let let me respond to that. So there remains a lot to unpack from the president's expansive speech last night in Phoenix. We turn now to Karine Jean-Pierre. She's a senior advisor to MoveOn.org, a contributing editor to Bustle, an online women's magazine, and a veteran of the Obama administration. And Matt Schlapp. He's the chairman of the American Conservative Union and former White House political director for President George W. Bush. And it's great to see you both with us again. Thank you very much. Matt, I want to come to you first. Uh, The president is talking unity today in that speech that he gave uh, in Nevada. But last night, it was a raucous call. He was defending the way he handled Charlottesville. I was just talking to Congressman Hurd about it. His supporters in the audience loved it. But a lot of people who were listening say they were concerned about what they heard. How did you hear it? Yeah, I think that's what's going on in our politics, and it's been going on for, I think, too long. But we're in our corners. You know, the nation is very divided. The left has never been more left, and the right has never been more right. And this president really wasn't elected. At least his core supporters didn't elect him because they wanted to bring peace and unity to the country. They were spoiling for a fight because after eight years of Obama and what they felt being cut out of the system, they wanted to see some advances on the issues they care about. 
Donald Trump is actually the type of president that his voters asked him to be. And Corrine, what does that mean? <laughs> well, that's kind of scary in, in that regard, because as president, you're supposed to be a president for all. And um, and he's being more and more divider in chief. I think what we saw last night was 70 min 77 minutes of woe is me, victimization, the usual Donald Trump. He seemed very detached from reality and also incredibly isolated. And uh, he tried to rewrite history on uh, how he responded to Charlottesville by omitting uh, all si uh, many sides and both sides and uh, saying that very fine people call saying that about the white supremacists. And so it was incredibly disturbing what we saw yesterday, but it's also not surprising. He was off script and he was speaking from his heart. Judy, well, let's listen. Just one second, sure. Matt. I want you both to listen to just a, a brief part of what the president had to say. This is on the news media. These are sick people. You know the thing I don't understand? You would think, you would think they'd want to make our country great again. And I honestly believe they don't. I honestly believe it. If you want to discover the source of the division in our country, look no further than the fake news and the crooked media. And I don't believe they're going to change, and that's why I do this. If they would change, I would never say it. The only people giving a platform to these hate groups is the media itself and the fake news. Matt, you were saying earlier the president's doing what his supporters elected him to do. Is yes. this part of that? Yeah, absolutely. We've been fighting, conservatives have been fighting with the national media for a long time because they feel like they just don't get a fair shake. If you look at the Harvard study that came out recently on news coverage of all the big networks and the big media outlets, it's skewed way against Trump. It's skewed way to the left. If you look at all the surveys of reporters and who they tend to vote for politically and their political leanings, it skews to the left. It doesn't mean that a Democrat or a left-leaning reporter can't be fair. And I think it's very unfair to say, to talk about the media monolithic, monolithically. And he brought that out in his remarks last night, too. But there are places where a conservative, quite honestly, just can't get a fair shake. This is not one of those, but there are places where they can't. And this is a 50-year battle that conservatives have had in this country. How does this advance the president's agenda? It doesn't at all. And from what I can remember, uh, the white supremacists that were marching in Charlottesville, they weren't pledging their allegiance to New York Times or uh, or CNN. They were pledging their, their allegiance to Donald Trump. Some of them were, were saluting to the Nazi flag in his name. And so the, the fake news is coming from Donald Trump or, or we are we are essentially following everything that he is saying. So we're not making this up. These are his words. All we have to do is play back the tapes. The other thing I want to ask you both about is, and this is our, quickly just listen to another excerpt of what the president had to say last night about fellow Republicans. <laughs> You know, I want to hit that slap comment because I, I do think it's true. You know, I talked to a bunch of people today at work, and it was, it was really interesting. I, I couldn't find anybody, including liberals, that would disagree that I, I think if you really break down 
2016 in a nutshell. We had eight years of what's going on right now. You're a Nazi, you're a racist, you're xenophobe, you're a transphobe, you're a homophobe, you're a obophobe, you're a thisophobe, you're a thataphobe, you must believe us, Christians are bad. Yeah, you know, Trump's fucked up. The President of the United States is fucked up. I've said it on the show, but you people are worse. You're worse than Trump. When, when, when his wife's shoes are more important than people dying in Houston, and you're tweeting, I hope all those white fucking people die, and Antifa's out beating people, and the media is talking about the shit they're talking about right now. You're worse. You sit and judge everybody. So yeah, people like me went out and voted for Trump. I would have voted for anybody. It could have been a fucking chimpanzee. Not racial. I don't want to get fired like ESPN because I said a vi- I, something about monkeys. God knows that's just fucking horrible. So yeah, folks. People were itching for a fight. Because for eight years they were told, you're something bad. We're going to demean you. Shut the fuck up. And after that, now you have fucking militias running all over the place, literally shutting people up. You will not speak. You're a racist. We're going to beat the fuck out of you. Yeah. that That's what we're doing. To our stat of the day, I just am going to read one article. This came from U.S. News and World Report. Not Breitbart. Not the Daily Caller. Not InfoWars. Not all the alt-right, which I still can't figure out what the fuck that is. Because there's not a lot of websites out there. There's a fuck ton of HuffPo, Dem Underground, MoveOn.org, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, MSDNC. Come on, folks. CNN, Clinton News Network. I mean, there's alt left everywhere. But this came out today. It sums up everything. Punching free speech. Anti-free speech radicals are doing violence to American values. The Antifa, or as I like to call them, the Antifada, are at it again. This time they helped bring rack and ruin to the campus of UC Berkeley after a rally against hate turned ugly on Sunday. More than a dozen people were arrested while the San Francisco Chronicle reported the leader of one group, Patriot Prayer, had to be rescued by police after being chased, hit, and pepper sprayed by a mob of black-clad demonstrators. Presumably... Part of the Antifada. It's especially ironic this happened at Berkeley, home to free speech movement started there by Mario Savio that swept campuses across the country during the 1960s. This, of course, follows the violence in which the left-wing radicals participated, perhaps even instigated, at a rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, organized by white supremacists, protesting the removal of Robert E. Lee. To the average observer who's not thinking about this too critically, these events can easily be inter- interpreted as a logical outgrowth of a presidential campaign, Donald Trump, grounded in hate and discontent. It's an interesting theory, but one that doesn't fit the facts since those who are rioting at Berkeley and Charlottesville and during the presidential inauguration have, for the most part, been people who didn't support him during his run for the White House. No, these window-smashing, limousine-burning, pepper-spraying, feces-throwing radicals are of the left, not the right. Why here and now? 
Well, it's all been teed up very nicely by the national media, which many people might agree have been relentless in their effort to present Trump in the worst light possible. But that's okay, because as the New York Times media reporter advised during the closing months of the campaign, he's unfit for the job, and he now holds, and it's the press responsibility to bring him down. Donald Trump is wreaking havoc, and the White House chief of staff is doing little to stop him. Where is John Kelly? John Kelly. That's an article he pointed out. Giving these radicals attention only encourages them. They are not the majority. Truthfully, they represent the outmost fringe of the American left. Out past where the average Bernie Sanders voter lives, they speak for themselves. But their mission, which is to prevent others from speaking, is a dangerous one. This 30-year-old push to replace manners and the golden rule with politically correct code of conduct conduct started on college campuses. It's now spilled over into facets of everyday life at work, in the home, on the playground, and even in churches, synagogues, and mosques. You can't legislate what's in people's heart and mind, and it's generally a mistake to try. Instead, we're seeing a concerted effort at generating peer pressure sufficient to intimidate people into conforming. That too hard is to accept since it leaves little room for dissenting views, but it's still a far cry from the work of the Antifada, who appears to function as the shock troops necessary to bring the resistors into line. Giving them as much attention as they're getting only encourages them. That's not to suggest ignoring them would make them go away. It could just as easily inspire them to act so outrageous no one would be able to ignore them. The uncritical acceptance of their existence silently condones their tactics, whether they're pepper-spraying protesters or pulling down statues. The last time I looked, both were crimes and ought to be treated as such. In fact, in some cases, depending on who's getting sprayed or what's getting pulled down, they're considered hate crimes that carry additional penalties because of the political or social motivations involved. Let that sit for a moment. The very reason we started hate crimes. America is a big country. There's plenty of room for peaceful protests. We can't accept the idea that any means necessary, as Malcolm X put it, is justified because we don't like someone because of what they stand for. We were all taught differently or should have been. Standing up for such values doesn't make you a friend to the neo-Nazis or the Ku Klux Klan or any of the other legitimate hate groups. It makes you an American, which is something everyone needs to remember. So the next time you see a group of young people riding on TV dressed all in black, their faces covered with bandanas, through which they are shouting anti-establishment epitaphs and hate messages of their own, remember them for who they are and change the channel or switch to a different website. I disagree with the ending, but everything he said is true. Their sole purpose is to make people conform. And as Peter, or excuse me, Peter, where did I get that? Um, what the hell's his name? Wow, well, shit. Guy I dog on the show, ex-soldier, said, this is their plan. They're going to train up and force their views on everybody. But never forget, part of their views is no... USA at all, folks. That the media, like Chuck Toad, will coddle up to him, embrace him, and give him a platform. Shows that they'll do anything to improve their ratings by presenting anti-Trump material. 
thinking those 300, me, um, 300 3 million people that beat him in the popular vote, all of them in California, will come to them in droves. Used to be if it bleeds, it leads. Now if it's anti-Trump, it leads. They will own them when somebody dies. And it's just a short time. Somebody will die. I only pray it's reported on. Because now with our entire media anti-Trump and embracing leftist ideals, as in Charlottesville, it does not fit the narrative, thus it will not be presented. Just like Hodgkinson was buried two weeks later, and you've never heard about how he had a list to kill Republicans. Doesn't fit the narrative. It must go away, just like freedom of speech is in our country, under leftist hate. To a music break and news, social media nuggets.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Military Corner. Ecstasy is so effective in treating vets PTSD has just been designated a breakthrough. I never thought I'd say those words, but it's true. Studies and clinical trials basically molly. They're asking for it. Uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration designated MDMA as a breakthrough therapy for treatment of Post-traumatic stress disorder, a significant milestone, a decade-long effort to turn the notorious illegal party drug, better known as ecstasy or molly, into a prescription medication. Paxil and Zoloft are currently the only medication approved for the treatment of PTSD, but they're going to go with molly. And they had three trials, and it showed that it really works. So, you know, that's an interesting side note considering, you know, the, the, the Senate and House just said no to marijuana, even though the American Legion is adopting a resolution to try to get it to be approved because it's better than opioids. But, you know, and that, and that for the American Legion story, you can go to Star and Stripes, read it the other day. Kate, uh, Upton, supermodel, tries to keep up during Marine Corps workout. I'd play a soundbite, but it didn't come out too good, but, um, she was in Detroit, Michigan on August 22nd. Gunnery Sergeant Sarah Pacheo, Marine Corps fitness instructor, broke Upton and five MLB Detroit Tiger wives and girlfriends during a 13-minute workout that including side straddle hops, lunges, butt kickers, and toe touches. And she's tried to hang, but she literally collapsed on the grass, dripping sweat. Um, and as the show, anybody's followed knows I find her super hot. Um of all the current models and 
heartthrobs of today. She still looks like a woman. She doesn't look like somebody who needs to find a Five Guys and have a burger. Egyptian director Amar Salama developing anti-American sniper film. This is the guy that everybody loved at the Oscars. Um, he's saying, I'm trying to make an anti-war film, whereas America's Sniper is pro-war. And to make this project, which is currently in script stage, Salami's working two of the region's biggest names, some two jackass. The story merits to be told, even America's Sniper hadn't come out. He's a very interesting character, a complex character. And Juba, the Iraqi sniper. Um, I don't see myself watching that movie. And all of you that love this guy at the Academy Awards, go fuck yourself! Ah, crazy music means crazy stories. Four cups of coffee a day could slash chance of early death. Yeah, it's a major study. 20,000 middle-aged men. Previous studies have found that coffee can improve liver functions, reduce inflammatory, and boost the immune system. The new study suggests that it could reduce the chance of early death from all causes... By as much as two-thirds. I got an ending one that I'm going to do at the end of this. That <laughs> literally, yeah, yeah. It's another thing that's supposed to keep you really healthy. But women hate them. Easy E actor melts down on Delta flight. Where's my first, my first class seat? Somehow we didn't hear anything about this. I could play a soundbite, not gonna. Wasn't that big a deal? I guess because he's in the club. Okay. It's on. Christian group sues SPLC and Amazon over a hate group destination, designation. On Tuesday, D. James Kennedy Ministries filed a lawsuit against SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Center, for those that don't know it, the charity navigating organization GuideStar and Amazon for defamation, religious discrimination, and traffic and falsehoods. The SPLC listed DJKM as a hate group, while GuideStar also characterized those terms, and Amazon kept the ministry off its charity donation group. Amazon smiled. I, I don't think the Southern Poverty Law Sir, you know, Center does as much as we think it does. It's just a liberal group. It's just like the ACLU. They're there for those, and they protect their friends. J.P. Morgan Hate List. What is its gift to the Southern Poverty Law Center telling bank customers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. J.P. Morgan. Yeah. You see it all the time. They do stuff to Planned Parenthood. They do it to... All these abortion, you know, groups and, and I, you know, I don't think conservatives harness that enough. I think the only time we've done it good, or we, but you know, I'm a conservative independent, was Target. We did a good job on Target. It pushed them, cost them a lot of money and stocks, and it cost them 50 million to redo a bunch of stores, mostly in the South. But we, we really need to harness that. I, I do that. If you do liberal shit, I don't go to you. The only one that doesn't, you know, make that stipulation is Starbucks. Starbucks. I, I don't give a fuck. They could, they could hate, they hate the military. They could have all gay people and write, I'm a douchebag in my cup and I'd still drink the shit. You're a fucking fraud. What? Caitlyn Jenner ambushed by trans women over Trump support at an LGBT event in Los Angeles. Caitlyn Jenner was ambushed by trans women over her support of Donald Trump. Reality star C7 was attending the trans chorus of Los Angeles on Saturday uh, when she was confronted by Ashley Marie Preston. Let's listen to this.
working with the military that you wait on about the community and you support it. That's not sure, the community. That's, 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 that's not the community. That's not the community. It will make me mad if I support you when so many people said I don't be supporting you. No, we don't, Dina. We are complicit. Taking her money and doing all that, it makes us complicit. And it's, it goes against the mission. The ones that are most impacted by the choices that you make, it is not okay. It is not okay. It is not okay. Yes, I do. The whole. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm getting so mad. No, no, no. No, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You're fucking proud of the thing. Nothing like a cat fighter. I don't, I don't know if you could say that about transgenders. Whatever. German nurse killed at least 84 patients. A nurse who was convicted of killing patients in Germany with overdose of heart medications now believed to have killed 84 people, and the true scale of the killings could be larger, investigators said Monday. Niels Hogel was convicted in 2015 of two murders, and now they're finding they've done a, she's done a shitload. I don't know if Niels is a woman or bad, but I don't know. But all I know is that's some scary-ass shit. Scary-ass shit. To our college crazy, school crammed social justice in the fashion data design course. Oh, really? Parsons School of Design, the New York School in New York City, is offering a new course this fall geared to teach students how the fashion industry thrives on social injustice. The new school is also incorporating social justice concerns and courses on food systems, biology and art, museum, and even data design. You will so get a lot of love for that. You won't get love for this, though. UNL sophomore says she was berated and intimidated while trying to recruit students for conservative group. Turning point, please put me on your watch list, Professor Amanda Gailey. It's a cute young gal at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. She's a sophomore. She was berated and intimidated by people on campus Friday afternoon because she was trying to recruit students for conservative group. Katie Mullins said she had a table set up in front of the Nebraska Union on behalf of Turning Point USA, a national organization that has chapters on campuses around the nation. Mullins said she liked Turning Point's pro-capitalism, anti-big government message. Soon, however, she was confronted by women who accused her of advocating white nationalism and having KKK leanings. Said she began to cry because of the hostile atmosphere and that the campus police eventually took her home. Mullen took photos and videos of parts of the incident. UNL said through a statement Monday that it is committed to free speech of all viewpoints and expected the campus to be placed a place of civil discord, but we're doing absolutely nothing about it. Nothing will happen to those fucking pieces of shit that bullied a conservative young gal. But that's okay. We can bully conservatives. Misgendering a person is unacceptable but you can bully somebody up for just putting up a table and a sign okay professor gets heat for declaring all republican are racist scum Ooh. clemson university professor bart kittenberger labeled all donald trump's supporters and republicans as racist scum on facebook demanding that they denounce your affiliation or admit you're racist kittenberg's advocate violence in one post saying admire anyone who stands up against white supremacy violent or non-violent, and added the hashtag Punch a Nazi, which is what we found out in the last one, is reporters, white people, fucking anyone we don't like, we punch them in the face. 
But this, this one I should put in the lighter fare, but I didn't. College tells student to rub one out to prevent rape. This, I, no, I'm not making this up. Rochester Institute of Technology recently encouraged students to masturbate as an alternative to sexual assault during one of its freshman orientations. Encouraging students to think of Rue. Yeah, from Winnie the Pooh. An acronym for Rub One Out. The presentation declared that self-gratification can prevent sexual assault. And there's actually a slide. I'm not making it up. I'll post it on the Facebook today. Thinkaroo, rub one out. God, tell me anybody else did that on a college campus, like a conservative one, there'd be issues. I'm just saying there would. It, it, maybe it's just me. This one, I said I'd have the back end, and I love it. Why having a beard reduces your risk of cancer. I need to just use this with my wife who hates my beard. It might be time to grow a beard because it could be good for your health. According to a recent study from the University of Queensland, facial fuzz can protect a man's face from 90 to 95% of harmful UV rays. This means that while you have a beard, you don't have to worry about sunblock. You think that I'll, I, I could get that to go past my wife? Yeah, probably not. Mm-mm. Probably not. Here's some uh, last-minute stuff I picked up. NBC Insider total panic over Megyn Kelly's morning show because their Sunday show was so horrible. They're really scared that it's going to fail. I hope it does. Once again, I, it's not about Donald Trump. I hated Megyn Kelly. Resident wants Rat Boom in Waldwick, New Jersey halted. That story was hilarious. They have a serious problem with rats. There's even a picture of a rat dragging away a trash bag. Yeah, that's pretty fucking crazy if you ask me. But anyway, to our lighter fare. We had a couple sound bites. I was going to play a gumball from Nickelodeon destroying social justice warriors. Not gonna. Then I had Vox explaining white people, but I'm going to bring it over to our next podcast because I don't think it should be funny. I think it's kind of scary that they did this. So I decided to just go with Yusha Thomas. Dogging the current army on training. You a fool, man. All right, listen up. Oh, Keep man. the noise down. At ease. All right, all female soldiers, look to your left and your right. If there's a male soldier there, chances are he will rape you. Why? Because male soldiers are dangerous as fuck. Their reckless behavior is only outmatched for their zest for hardcore rapery. And the uglier they are, the more rapier they are. Keep this in mind, ladies. If he's fat and out of shape, there's a good chance he's going to rape. Moving on to the sexual harassment part of our training. These are the indicators to look out for in order to file a complaint. If he's saying hi, it's a good chance that he's trying to get you high and drunk in order to get in your pants. File a complaint. If he glances at you for more than two seconds, put your hand down! Put it down! Like I was saying, he's probably undressing you with his eyes. File a complaint! Ladies, if your boss is a male and he's being a dick, make sure you know he's trying to give you the dick so you file a goddamn complaint. Do you hear me? Last but not freaking least, if he tries to avoid you on purpose, make sure you file a complaint anyway because that'll teach his ass not to ignore you. I mean, who are they going to believe? A small, petite female or a fucking big guy? <laughs> Well,
Once again, Yusha Thomas has his feed on YouTube. Funny shit. Great guy. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Foppodcast.com. It's a theme. See links to feed for the show, links to our Facebook page and our email. There you can also see a uh, <clears throat> link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on my blog page, which I haven't done in a long time. I really need a blog. Next podcast will be f- Saturday. I'm going to crank that sucker out. I think that's the second. We're we talking about the second. Yeah, the second is September. Um, it's already written. Got some good stuff. Just want to pick up some last minute stuff and I'll probably start, uh, podcasting Friday to Saturday, uh, once again, due to my schedule. With uh, Harvey still bearing down on people in Louisiana now, people are still stuck in their homes, they're still doing rescues, it's just horrible, and now that thing is going to go up <clears throat> into the country and drop up to eight inches all the way where I live, which is in a secret bunker somewhere in Tennessee, but it's northern Tennessee, so... Um, prayers to everybody down there in Harvey and the people along the way. There'll be more flooding. There'll be no, more tornadoes. There'll be more storm damage. Uh, God be with everybody. Stay safe out there. I know we are. We've already gassed up and got some supplies because I remember a couple of these hurricanes. We ran out of gas where I live and food and, and um, some serious problems during Katrina. And then again, another one that was, I want to say, somewhere around 2010. We affected it here, so um, be careful. Um, next podcast, uh, I'm going to be going some more Antifa. I've got a couple sites. I want to play some stuff. I want to keep hammering home on this Antifa because by the time I finish that podcast, there'll be some more people beaten in America by supposed peaceful protesters or anti-race protesters or whatever cliche that they're using. Excuse the anger and vitriol on this podcast. It's just really hard as a person who served this country and loves this country to read the filth, hate, and partisan bullshit that was in the beginning of this podcast. It is just sad that we are this way as a country. So as always, disconnect, folks. Spend time with your family and friends. And remember, this is still the best country in the world, whether you're left or right. It's a great country to live in. And we really should stop being jackasses. Thanks for listening, folks. Until Saturday, take care.